1: Good morning. We are live on the Falcons podcast. We appreciate you coming in to join us on this day after Christmas and we hope everybody has had a happy holidays to this point and long may it continue. Uh, We are coming off the Falcons easily their most complete win of the season over the Indianapolis Colts who had come to Atlanta after winning five of six games but were thoroughly dominated by the Atlanta Falcons who showed what they could be and Nick first how are you doing second where has this been all season?
2: I, I don't know. I guess you got to take a team and just completely whip them uh, defensively. like We saw against this Falcons team and make them pretty one dimensional on the other side, but doing pretty well uh, other than my Broncos uh, all, but getting eliminated with a very sad uh, loss to a bad team. But uh, here celebrating the Falcons today and a, what a show uh, standout performance by the defense. I mean, giving up only, what do we have here? 3.9 yards per play on the day, holding Jonathan Taylor to 2.4 yards per rush. I mean, that defense was swarming, only having one turnover and still dominating like they did is a pretty pretty awesome from that defense.
1: Yeah, I've got a little later a little later on my notes. Um, as the chats open up, we got some folks we want to say hello to that have come in hot this morning, but we want to make sure some people start coming in here so we can recognize them properly as well. I've got defense a little bit later in my notes, but we might as well hit on it now. Ryan Nielsen's the real deal. I mean, mm-hmm. flat out, the real deal with this team. Um, yeah, they put some money into free agents, but yeah, they're still short a dominant edge. One of their best players is still, you know, 36 years old, 16th season. Calais Campbell is still going strong. They're having to roll in different defensive tackles. I mean, you went out there with no Grady Jarrett, who's been gone for a while, so you've been able to adjust a little bit, but it's still LaCale London. It's still Albert Huggins. Taquan Graham. It reminded me about halfway halfway through the game, I was like, man, the Falcons do have done a pretty good job of having to rotate in these no-name bodies and have been successful doing it. Who's their defensive line coach? Oh, yeah. It's Ryan Nielsen, too. Uh, He's just been really, really good. Not to mention you've got two rookies starting in the defensive backfield that played the whole game and safety DeMarco Hellams and then Clark Phillips at corner. So, um, and and as Make You Fumble says also, Zach Harrison had his best game of the season by far. He was a monster in that Mm -hmm. game. Now, part of that's the matchup. Uh, The right tackle was out and they were putting in their rookie, Blake Freeland, who's not ready to go yet. I saw him down at senior bowl and I'm like, he's, he's not ready. But that's okay. We've seen guys go in. It's rookie on rookie and the Atlanta Falcons rookie one and one big. And Freelance played okay leading up into that spot, Nick. So
2: what a performance from Ryan Nielsen in his defense. I mean, you can't say any better. I know that, you know, the Colts were hampered a bit. You know, you're talking about missing Braden Smith out there. Uh Pittman injured as well, but uh he's what a great job by the defense. Again, the numbers of what they stood out. I mean, only giving up 3.7 yards per rush on the day, uh, 3.9 yards overall compared to 6.3 from your own own team. I mean, dominating, dominating, dominating. They really gave Gardner Minshew very little chance. And they were getting after him, too. I don't know how many times he was hit in this game, but it was, I mean, the, the pressures were outstanding. Uh, we have uh, 26 total pressures, uh, according to... Pro football focus so some of those might be you know multiple people getting pressure on the same play uh but that's still uh, outstanding and minchu looked uh just super vulnerable out there the whole game i'm surprised they didn't turn the ball over more than they did yeah with uh with their six sacks they moved up from 30 to 36 on
1: the year which took them from 29th in the nfl to 21st in the nfl so you're starting to get into that medium range that's how bad the pass rush has been Mm-hmm. is a six sack game only takes you to 21st but that said that du- that number that 36 doubles how many sacks the falcons had just two years ago with two games that's how bad the pass rush has been i think after three or four games someone in here came in and asked scott do you think they can get to 45 sacks and i was like you know and on pace they were on pace for that early and then it slowed down i'm like well yeah, that's not outrageous. It's still going to be tough to get to 45, but 36, you're you you're right there at 40 now. And to go mm. from 18, I think it was 24 last year probably, to 40 this year without really a dominant edge. I don't think that's a hot take by any stretch. Ebiketti's doing a pretty good job in pass rush situations, but it's really pass rush by committee and scheme with good professional football players. But what also impresses me, Nick, is just how good the back end of the defense was. Jerry Gray and his boys back there. Jesse Bates has been worth every penny. A.J. Terrell is A.J. Terrell. He's a good player no matter who's been coaching him. But then to throw in DeMarco Helms, Clark Phillips coming in and playing like that. Finding a use for Richie Grant. Uh, you know, he, His snaps were way down. It was like 25 snaps. But he's good attacking the line of scrimmage. You know, use him almost as a nickel linebacker. Uh, and finding a way to get uh, use out of him. It's been really, really good.
2: Yeah, I mean, got to shout out uh, our guy, Jesse Bates, too. What a great interception he's been. I don't know if he's been the main player that's kind of been the catalyst to what's changed on this Falcons defense, but on the back end, it feels like if you toss the ball up and it hangs at all, you got to watch out for uh, Jesse Bates to make a play on the football and make a highlight real play. So, Just again, defense really stands out for me. It's been standing out the entire season. This has been a top 10 defense, despite questions at you know, the cornerback opposite uh, AJ trail, despite injuries up front of the defensive tackle spot, uh, despite not having a true, you know, straw that stirs the drink player at edge on this defensive line, but really good. And it's they will be a feisty team if they do make in the playoffs quarterback is still obviously a huge question mark and a weakness i would not get too carried away by the 29 to 10 win in terms of heineke i did not think he was super impressive overall but he took some shots and it was enough to kind of loosen things up and free things up for the the running game as well because they were asked
1: all year out of the quarterback position nick for this team protect the gd ball just competency yeah you know just be oh just be okay and Heineke, by comparison, was really good. And I said during the game, as I'm texting you, texting my, my, my friend on there, and we should do watch-along. I just, I'm just i not always available on Sundays to do watch-alongs, was we've seen the end of Desmond Ritter. Because uh, Heineke, the Falcons will and should go all in on a quarterback this offseason. But if they miss, if they strike out, Heineke a better option than Ritter. I don't think that's a hot take either. Unless Ritter makes that leap as a young quarterback from one step to the next, Heineke is a better option than than Desmond Ritter. I uh, want to say hello to some folks that have come in because it means so much to us. John Harrell came in uh, with that hot pink, coming in hot, nice and early with a $50 super chat before we had even gone live. As I'm checking the stream and coming in here, uh, John was already in here uh, supporting the show. Merry Christmas to you. <clears throat> he says... Good morning, Scott, and Nick, and the Falcons family. That's all, y'all. Hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. Where did that offense come from, Bates for president? Where did that offense come from? A lot of it was the quick passing game, was you know trying to do that type of thing, would get the ball out of there quickly. Uh, a lot of it was early shots to Kyle Pitts, who then disappeared for the rest of the game. I think he had two catches on the first drive, or at least the first two drives, and finished with three. Uh, and then spread the ball around. When you convert first downs, nobody's complaining about touches because you've got to move guys in and out. And there's touches for Tyler Algier. There's touches for Bijan Robinson. and there's touches for Cordell Patterson. When you're going three and out and then, okay, well you have a 15 play drive where it's Tyler Algier 15 straight times. Then the, the number of plays looks okay, but the balance is so skewed that the, the, the touches are gone. So Taylor Heineke did a better job of running this offense and protecting the ball better than
2: we've seen all season. Nick. Uh, For me, it comes to the running game uh, for this one. What is this Falcons team? It's something I've been kicking and screaming about the, what you have Arthur Smith here for. And what we were excited about was the run game infrastructure and what they should be able to do with their embarrassment of offensive line to running back talent. And in this game, finally it felt like, Oh Yeah this is what we want to do. We can hit some explosives here and there on the ground game. And they did that pretty consistently. I mean, the average yards per carry for Bijan Robinson who is also your leading receiver. Uh, 12 carries for 72, six yards, a t- uh, six yards, a pop Tyler Algier, nine carries, 69 yards for 7.7, a pop. Uh, this is what we've been asking for. Make it easy, hit the easy button for them. And it felt like finally you were starting to get that. The guys in space, Cordell Cordell Patterson had an explosive run too, and everything was able to feed off of, just how dominant you were on the ground, which is f- shades of last season and what we were hoping for combined with a better defense this year.
1: Some big first down conversions in there. Cordero Hodge may have only had one catch, but it was a nice, uh, I think I probably called him Cordero. Cordero Hodge uh, was a first down conversion, a screenplay to John U. Smith, who has earned his next year on his contract. He's there's probably some flexibility there. I want Johnu Smith back on this team. Yeah, um, He's been, he's been a really good player. So, and Bates for president, Bates for all pro, that's for sure. And I think, I think Jesse Bates has the hype around him as a high dollar free agent that he should get all pro because he's got the numbers that can go with it. Chris Lindstrom gets screwed on some of these lists um, because he's a guard and it's harder to quantify what you're doing by people just looking at box scores. Bates has the numbers. He's got the high profile move from Cincinnati and the big dollar free agent, and then He's been, and then he's got the the signature plays out there. So Jesse Bates has been phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, So uh, thank you, John, again. And Michael Ranquillo coming in, $50 super chat. Thank you, my friend. He says uh, he's coming from, is a Broncos fan. that comes in and just supports what Nick and I do uh, as a show. And he's in here all the time on the Falcon show because the man loves football. And we love you for it, Michael. So thank you so much. He says, good morning, Scott Nick on the Falcons podcast. Hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas with your families. To you as well. I had um, both sets of grandparents are, are here. Uh, I say sister-in-law, but she was three when I met her, so she, I'm the only brother. As far as she knows, I'm her brother. Uh, they're up here, and uh, so we had we had a good time. I hope hope you did too. They're here for another day, so some people still sleeping in on this sleepy, rainy, cold southeast day in Atlanta. So thank you, Michael, and Michael and John. Doubled up with super stickers saying to everybody. So thank you. all Everybody thank them because every once in a while, you don't feel like being here. And then when you see the support that you get from guys like John and Michael and all y'all in the chat, you're like, I need to be here. And it gets me fired up. You ever go to the, you think you should go to the gym? You're like, man, I don't feel like going to the gym today. I don't feel like being up. I don't feel like being on. And then you get there and you're like, what was I complaining about? This, this is great. I'm having a blast. So thank, thank you all so much, Michael and John.
2: Yeah, appreciate you guys so much keeping the lights on, making it uh, definitely worth it to wake up at 5 a.m. today to shower beforehand and uh, do three shows in one day. This is going to be a busy Tuesday for me, but uh, happy to be here. We're kicking off uh, the post-Christmas season with a bang. Oblivion Empire
1: says, let's go rise up. Red Swarm is in nice and early. Happy holidays. Stay safe, everyone. Conga Hydra says, fire Arthur Smith. He's terrible. Wait a minute. That was last week. What, What are your thoughts on this? I don't think that Arthur Smith is solidified. I think his seat's gotten a little cooler, but I don't think he's completely safe yet. Beginning of the season, I said 9 and 80 safe. 8 and 9, we got question marks. 7 and 10, I'm I'm probably looking for a new coach in the offseason.
2: Well, they're 7 and 8 right now with two to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we still have two games to go. Uh, like we said last week, we still wanted to see what the complete sample size says because why would you make a decision before? We don't have enough data to have a definitive answer. Uh, so I think it could still go either way. I don't know. I think the lows, this is a missed opportunity season still, probably unless you win the next two and something happens. But considering the path of resistance that was your schedule this season with the NFC South uh, and struggling this much, we can point it at the quarterback, but how much does he have his hands on the quarterback decision this year and uh missed opportunities. So I'm not ready to say one way or the other. I'm probably still leaning towards potentially getting some other folks in here just because I like the infrastructure so much outside of quarterback uh, that you could take off. But uh, it's definitely, uh, I'm definitely glad that we have two games left to see what happens.
1: Yeah. You mentioned, uh, there was three points in there and as i was like highlighting some folks in the chat i thought i forgot what 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 one of them was so we'll we'll come back (laughs) it was uh arthur smith you know the the loss i'll get back to it because Dante spate says we definitely need to let ryan nielsen be our head coach for the next year and beyond in the future if it came down to that where oh i know what it was it was a terry bradshaw thing that was uh you know the point about you know how much does he have his hands on the uh his hands on the quarterback situation and Terry Bradshaw flat out came out and said as a former quarterback I don't appreciate being lied to you lied to your quarterback saying he was going to be the starter things change Terry you know things change he says but someone in the front office said you you have to win these next three games or you're fired and Arthur Smith pulled the plug and says we can't keep developing this kid well this wasn't a developmental year. Last year was a developmental year. If you were going to develop somebody and throw the season away, that was last year. This year, you needed to make the playoffs. This year, you needed to make, show that step forward with the, with the, uh, a big step forward in, in your play. They did yesterday. They did. that. That's how they play like that all season. They're probably sitting, we got 15 games. They're probably sitting at 12 and three. Mm-hmm. They played like that all season. Uh, but um if it comes down to it, you know, do you do you make a change? I you know, is Ryan Nielsen ready? Every step up so far has been a good one. He he's been a good one. So I don't know. I wouldn't break my heart. And he would definitely get an interview if they were to make a change on there. Uh, and, yeah. and Derek comes in. Uh, good to see you, Derek. Because here's a point that we've been making if if Arthur Smith stays, Nick, this is what has to happen. Diehard Falcon fan here. I have one wish for ATL. Terry Fontenot needs to hire a real offensive coordinator. and Arthur Smith needs to let go of play calling. Recreating the Titans Bears office that wasn't successful is not going to suit the Falcons. So would would Arthur Smith let go of some of the responsibilities? Would would his his ego let that happen? Because I wouldn't be all that dismissive. And I think he might be allowed to chuck Desmond Ritter. Taylor Heineke and Dave Ragone under the bus to save his job.
2: I think that you have to have something I like a Calvin's mediocre channel coming in and saying this team is gaslighting me. But yeah, I think you have to make some sort of moves off the pass game. Maybe even if it's just kind of split duties where you have an offensive coordinator that's more in charge of the pass game kind of stuff. Like we've seen some delineation of duties in a lot of the uh, Shanahan tree uh, teams. So maybe you have somebody that can come in that can work in some Better pass concepts and let Arthur Smith continue to dabble and work in what he likes to with the run game. Uh, but I agree, there needs to be some sort of power shift and dynamic. And if he if if he is tossing those other quarterbacks on the bus, we need to see results and moves made to show that we are trying to improve this team. Whether that's a move for Justin Fields, something in the draft as well. I I don't know. Um, it's uh, you're in a weird position because you're kind of floating around 500, and it seems like there's really only three quarterbacks you want to sniff in the first round this year of the draft and probably out of range right now without a big trade up. So it's uh it's going to be a fascinating team because you are definitely pointing in a still an upward trajectory as a roster uh but you, you're really capped if you don't have a quarterback you trust. For those of us that like to complain
1: that uh you're screwing up your draft position and, uh, and you've already t- tanked the season, you've already screwed it up, now you're screwing up your draft position. They only moved down one spot with that win. They went from 10 to 11. So uh, it's still there. That top 10 pick is still there in your dreams, and they're going on the road the final two games. So, again, gaslighting. This team's been gaslighting. That's, that's the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons have been gaslighting us since they've started. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've put the Lucy pulling the ball out from Charlie Brown uh, meme on, on Twix during a game. Uh, Joe 01 coming in. Good to see you. Feels like a newer name. So welcome. And he says, this is a good roster. All we need was a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, turning the ball not only costs you points, but it gives the other team confidence and momentum. And it takes away all of that from your team as well. You know, we saw that you've seen that it just it sucks the life out of a team, you know, and if they can stand up and you're more like it seems like teams are more likely to bounce to, to stand up early than late, you know, while they're still fired up and, and everything, you know, that turnover Uh, against the Panthers was the, the life just went out of that team on the road. It was like, good God, are you kidding me? Um, so I get it, Joe, uh, Bobby C says, good morning, Scott, Nick. I'm a big fan of what y'all do and a top percent, 5% follower on Spotify. Well, thank you, sir. Keep up the great content and what a win. Um, I thank you very much. If you want to listen after the fact, we get most of our viewers on YouTube, usually after the fact. So leave us a comment give us a thumbs up. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button, but we are falcons podcast on apple on spotify on megaphone etc cetera, etc cetera. and those numbers have been going up to thanks to guys like bobby c so thank you uh thank you as well our tampa friend bucks Rays, bolts he's riding high what's up four wins in a row for the bucks now they're looking formidable
2: nick now that you got a big drink of coffee <laughs> in there see if i can get it to squirt out your nose Baker Mayfield's been impressive out there. The defense is playing well. We'll see what happens with the Buccaneers. Uh, Mike Evans is maybe one of the most underrated wide receivers of the last decade. Uh, he's been phenomenal just every year, uh, building that Hall of Fame uh, resume. So, uh, yeah, Buccaneers are we'll see what happens. You know, it'd be, NFC South's kind of been a, a a kicking boy here this season, making fun of them, but can shut up a lot of people quick if they can win that first playoff game. Assuming it is the Bucks, we'll see what happens down the stretch here. We still got two games. Atlanta's on on the heels.
1: Yeah, I, uh, Baker Mayfield earned himself some money and, uh, mm-hmm. I posted that block that, uh, that Taylor Heineke had where he blocked the guy, pancaked him and then tackled Bajon Robinson in the same play. I was like, this is the kind of quarterback play that wins game. And I said, and jobs, And I didn't necessarily mean that he's going to win the the quarterback job for the Atlanta Falcons for the next, you know, next few years as a starter. What I meant was this that's That's the kind of play, the kind of game that he had yesterday is going to keep him in the league. He's going to have a job in the league because of his leadership, because of his fire, because of his ability as a spot starter and to rally like that. So that's what I meant with that post. You know, that's the kind of thing that keeps you in a job. Uh, Congress says, so we're not firing Arthur Smith now. (sighs) Right. I'm, I'm still on the I'm ready for a change wagon, but I was never positive that anything was going to happen not with this ownership not with arthur blank so i'm just not sure on that what happens marie says we got to get a quarterback we don't get a quarterback i'm not buying season tickets again yeah i probably will (laughs) i probably will um here's a good question
2: from keith did the colts underestimate the falcons what do you what do you think on that nick I don't think they're in a position where they should underestimate anybody. I think there is a, just an unbelievable glut of mediocrity in the NFL right now. And the Colts ran to a team that matched up with them pretty well and gutted them. Uh, you stopped, took the run away. They had to rely on Gardner Minshew without Pittman there. I mean, who, who on that Falcon or in that, uh, Colts team is formidable in space as a weapon right now. I mean, <laughs> not really anyone You took away the run game. It kind of crumpled there and you were able to knife them, uh, with your own run game. So I don't know if Vander Messi underestimated you at all. You just took it to them and uh, wanted to give a shout out to the offensive line as well. Only one sack given up for uh, uh, Taylor Heineke on this one. I mean, Storm Norton out here that at right sack tackle.
1: was for zero yards. That was yeah. a, that was a thank you sack because he scrambled mm-hmm. and was, and got tackled at the line of scrimmage and they gave him a sack for that. That yeah. was a gift. So for my
2: money, zero sacks. Well, it was a heck of a performance. I thought uh, Storm Norton stood out to me, somebody that, uh, especially on the right side blocking. I know a lot. some of that is scheme too, but him and Lindstrom were a lot of fun out there. Uh, so yeah, you took it to him. I just think it was, I don't think they underestimated you. I just think it's a pretty mediocre team uh, that had won a bunch of games since there are so many mediocre teams this season. And uh, you took it to him. Um,
1: Storm Norton, who's Storm Thornton? That's what I want to call him every time. I'm like, was it Thornton? He graded 85.3 with a 90.6 in the run blocking game. Again, wow. what does every you're, you're playing three new offensive linemen? What does every offensive lineman, what would he rather do? Run the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Keith, this is a great question. My answer on this is did they underestimate the birds? No. Shane Steichen has been a wizard this year. Part of it's maybe an illusionist with all of the injuries that the Indianapolis Colts have had. They lost, they they lost Jonathan Taylor for mu- about half the season. He hasn't been there. Michael Pittman was out for most of the game against. He had a, a, a really fast start, was on pace for like 140 yards against the Steelers. But then he was out. They lost Zach Moss, their number two running back. Uh, their right tackles out, and they still hung 30 on the on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they've been getting. It's not smoke and mirrors. Shane Steichen's just really good. You saw that first drive. They breezed right down the field, got their seven. But then the Falcons made some adjustments and took over the game. They've been having that success on offense, surprisingly, with their injuries and where they should have been going from 4-11 and last year to where they are this year, has been one of the best jobs of the season. I think we saw the Colts regress back to not overachieving, back to this is a banged up roster on a team that is rebuilding on the road to the Falcons team who played like they were capable of playing and haven't been. That's bad news for the Colts. That was good news for the Falcons. And that happens. It's the consistency that you need to see from the Falcons to become who we thought they should be at the beginning of the season. That's who we knew they could be. They just haven't been. You know, I I did the, the preview last week and I'm like, listen, the Falcons are good enough to beat this team. They were favored by a point, but they should beat this team but I can't pick them because the Colts have been playing so much better. They've been, they've won five out of six. So I don't think they underestimated them. I just think it was, it was the Falcons day. And it was definitely not the Colts day um, on that one. And that, and that happens. Mm -hmm. Want to scroll down here. uh, Jay says, make a change, make a change, make a change uh, on that one. uh, As far as a quarterback, Um, but the, the, the quarterback play, a high quarterback pick would be the ideal choice. Let's say the Falcons are sitting at 13. The big three, Jaden Daniels and uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May are gone. Is there anybody else you'd even consider there? Let's say everybody's in that hasn't quite pulled themselves out of the draft yet.
2: Is there
1: anybody you'd consider at 13?
2: The one that I am just, I don't know what to make heads or tails of is JJ McCarthy right now at Michigan because he has been running more of a pro style system. They have been asking him to do line checks and he's got some flexibility and mobility to his game that I think translates pretty well. It's just, he's not asked to make NFL shows very often. He's not asked to play from behind. He's kept pretty clean overall. Like the pressures that he has a lot of time are brought upon by himself looking to make things happen, Uh, which sometimes you have that with a little bit of the quarterback play. If you're looking for hunting for big plays, Uh, but Bo Nix, I day two quarterback for me, Michael Penix day two quarterback for me. Uh, I don't think Spencer Rattler should go around one. I know he's got talented, a talent arm, but he's more of a day two, maybe day three guy. So right now, the one who I am just keeping an eye on is J.J. McCarthy. Uh, I think he's the one that might fit that. There'll be more talk, I think. I feel like there is more talk about Bo Nix and Michael Penix. I just, I can't do it with them round one, where I think the upside is more so there with McCarthy.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not about those guys in round one either. Round two, as as J.B. 1521 comes in and says, no, go defensive end. And quarterback in the second round, I'm, I'm okay with I'm okay with uh, with that. If if you don't if you don't put a package together that gets you up to get Jaden Daniels, Drake May or Caleb Williams in the two to five range, which is what it's going to take. Um, I uh, I I think you go day two on this. Don't reach. I'll get a pass rusher if he's there. The problem is, Falcons have three straight picks, and I know Micah Parsons would be the the answer. Three straight picks in the top 10, but there hasn't been that dominant edge, that surefire edge. What about Micah Parsons? No, I'm not going to grade with hindsight. Micah Parsons was a linebacker and he has transitioned to pass rusher. That wasn't a sure thing. When I saw his stats <laughs> from his pro day, I actually wrote a, uh, I wrote a, um, a story did Micah Parson get himself into the top five and that's good news for the Falcons. But I thought he was good enough to be a linebacker with those stats and just a dominating Brian Erlacher guy for the next 10 years. And that would be worth a top five pick. Now you do a redraft and he's going one or two. That's hindsight. There wasn't that guy in these last picks where you say, I want my edge. I want my edge. I want my edge. Is there going to be that guy at, in the teens, in the early
2: teens, in this draft, I mean, none of them are going to be Micah Parsons, or you're talking about your blue chip caliber edge rushers. But you can get a potential edge one. Uh, we'll see what happens. I have a feeling that the top three guys are going to be gobbled up, uh, probably in the top 16 picks, uh, depending on medicals. Uh, but you have Dallas Turner. I think he's going to go top eight, top 10. Jared Burris, I think, is going to go top 14. And we'll see what happens with Leatu Latu at UCLA he does have that uh, medical that forced him to retire at University of Washington and then uh kicked him down to UCLA so medicals are going to be huge uh for Laatu Latu. After that though, I mean we'll see what happens. Uh with the combine, I don't think there's any position that is as indicative or telling for future performance uh and then for the metrics and the athletic testing as it as uh, as it is for edge. So maybe somebody else, you know, stands out. We'll see what happens like a Chop Robinson type here. Uh but yeah, Edge is definitely something to look for on this team. You still can use a lot of uh, resources there. And that's a position, too, where you just keep investing in it. I mean, even if you feel okay there, guess what? You're one year away from being terrible there again. Keep investing in pass rushers.
1: What did the 49ers do? I mean, they were okay at Edge, so they, got, they went and got some guys that were coming off of contracts or whatnot,
2: and they had Chase Young and Randy Gregory for pennies on the dollar. Just yep. keep going for it. Um, or the Ravens too. I mean, the Ravens just add defensive linemen after defensive linemen, all these different body types, and we're going to make it work. We just need to have glass eaters up front, and they send them in waves. We saw it with the Eagles last year. They send them in waves. So you need to be, when you think, talking defensive line, and defensive front, it's almost as important to look at your two deep as it is just the the starters there, because you need to have waves of guys. Um, Matt Ciaverelli, hope I got that close, Matt.
1: Uh, says Pitts has been doing better. Might be enough to justify a trade for Justin Fields. Maybe give another later round pick. What do you think? Uh, and then JB comes in. He says, only thing with fields is we have to trade for him and then pay him a year later. They are on the same schedule, but I didn't realize Nick, and you had hit into this, but I've actually seen the chart now of how they work out fifth year options. It's insane. Mm -hmm. They do it like franchise tags, which is just flat out wrong. Um, it's based on the position you play, not where you were drafted. That's, I don't like that at all. Um, you know, so Kyle Pitts fifth year option right now is just $10 million. Justin Fields fifth year option right now would be $21 million. Kyle Pitts was drafted seven spots ahead and neither one of them have made a pro bowl. If you thought the quarterback was worth more than the tight end four years ago, well, then you should have drafted him at number four overall. That's, I I think the fifth-year option should be slotted based on performance. There are performance kickers in there. That's fine. But it should be slotted based on where you were drafted, just like your contract is, with performance kickers then added on, which could then elevate you above somebody that you were playing. But it's not. It's insane. I couldn't believe it when I saw that. So, yeah, the only thing with Fields is you trade for him and pay him a year later. You'd have two years of control. You'd have his fourth year of your rookie contract, but then his fifth-year option, if you decide to exercise it, which you would have to do this spring, kicks up to $21 million. Kyle Pitts is just 10. So we've been kicking around the idea. Do you? pick up Kyle Pitts's fifth-year option, and I've got my mind that as a fourth-year pick that it's going to be pretty expensive. At $10 million, F yes, you pick up his fifth-year option. This becomes a no-brainer.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, the only thing that you worry about is the fact that it becomes guaranteed, and if something happens again with his knee, I mean, you'd want to go through the whole medical check uh, with Kyle Pitts before you do that again, but he's been looked, he looked, you know, some... F- uh, high highs this last week. We'll see what it is. I mean, it's still such a low volume passing offense that paying that much salary cap wise to guys who are getting, what did we have for Kyle Pitts in this game? Five, three to five targets in the game, three receptions. So it is it does come down to a little bit of math there in terms of what's actually valued uh, for your offense, but that's also the offense right now. It looks, could look completely different once you have a different quarterback in there, maybe play caller as well. Uh Who knows? So it is a little bit wild that you have the quarterback uh, contracts, for that fifth year option, being based on what is it the top 10 top five yeah it's like the it's like the average of the top
1: i forgot exactly what it is but it's the average of the quarterback pay rather than slotted where you were drafted yeah i don't like that that. and dixon says kyle pitts did make the pro bowl as rookie season scott yeah and that's why he's got a three million dollar kicker so Mm -hmm. his i'm talking positions and i'm using the word kicker Mm -hmm. that's why he gets a three million dollar bonus on his fifth year option Mm -hmm. so the basics are your position Which is for tight for a tight end, the fourth overall pick is seven million dollars. Fifth year option could be a freaking pay cut, yeah, seven million dollars. And then playing time, you know, did you actually contribute is only like 300,000, goes from seven to 7.3. And then as a a one time pro bowler, it goes to uh, it goes to 10. Well, Justin Fields, the quarterback, and, and this doesn't matter that let's see how late anybody was taken, uh, was Mac Jones. Mac Jones is basic. Fifth year option is $19 million. It moves to 22 based on playing time. And if he were to have made a Pro Bowl, it goes to 31. So Kyle Pitts is on $10 million. And non-pro Bowl Justin Fields' fifth year option is worth 22. I mean, that's BS. I I do not agree with that at all. At all. If if you thought his if you thought he's good enough to pick up his fifth-year option, it should go on where you were drafted. Just like your contracts are slotted that way.
2: Anyway. Yeah. Quarterback power, right? It's all about quarterback at the end of the
1: it's day. Want- this isn't franchise tags. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not. This isn't franchise. This isn't a second. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Edward Brown comes in. I do like this. Um, And then we're then we're going to get out of here uh, in just a minute. We're, we're over 30 minutes and so we're going to hop out of here and talk some Broncos. You want to talk some more quarterbacks? We'll go talk Broncos. Come over to Mile High Huddle with us. Edward Brown says, when it comes to next year's quarterback, I still think Justin Fields is a wild card. And thank you for the, the super chat, Edward. I do too. I really do. Um, there's some people that will look at the quarterback record and say, I don't want this bum. Why would you want this guy? He can't win. What did, what was the game yesterday with, uh, oh, Aiden O'Connell? He was 1-0 yesterday against Kansas City Chiefs. He had 60 yards passing. 60. He was- it's more than quarterback record, y'all. Now... I'll listen to. He's still inaccurate. He's still erratic. All that type of stuff. But don't point me to his record, man. Archie Manning had a about the same record that, that Justin Fields has had. Archie Manning was a pretty good quarterback.
2: The issue with Fields is uh, injury history, as well as the propensity for negative plays, whether they be turnovers or head scratching sacks. Just think sometimes he's a little bit too slow with a processor to know where the ball needs to go and uh, get it out there in time. But you have a lot more. He's been doing a lot better at uh, minimizing the negatives and hitting more of those explosives still. So, I mean, it might be worth it to kick the tires on fields. You're not going to be alone in that hunt. Uh, it sounds like the Raiders are another team that's emerging in the Justin Fields market as well. On top of, we'll see what happens with the Steelers and the Falcons. So keep an eye on it. Uh, there's going to be teams that are picking in the 12 to 20 range that are going to be hunting for a quarterback and likely miss on the top three. So who knows?
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, some real some real quick comments i want to hit on uh and then we'll be back tomorrow we'll, we'll be back tomorrow for our long show um then we're gonna get out of here edward thank you so much um real quick in here engine engine number nine good to see you thanks for stopping in joe cannon uh joe Cannon is a uh, great morning nick and scott good to see you my only person who saw a different place called yesterday we're more effective, uh, that's for sure. I saw more stuff going up the middle. I saw them attack the middle with much more success, and with Bajon, and not just stretch. It's like Alger up the middle, Bajan off tackle. Okay, well that gets a little repetitive. Uh, but Kevin says I don't see anything super spectacular with Justin Fields' game. Why some Falcons fans are gung ho on getting him next year for Pitts? Uh, I don't know that I would want to trade him for Pitts. Um, again, for ten million dollars, I'm picking up Pitts' fifth year option, and I'm going to take that gamble on Pitts. I thought it was going to be something like fifteen to seventeen. Learn something every day. Um, but for me, I don't want that bum Justin Fields. Does Just, is Justin Fields better than Taylor Heineke or Desmond Ritter? There were some people that will tell you that no, he's not. I will vehemently disagree. So is Justin Fields an inexpensive option? That's question one. Does he make your team better? For me, that's an absolute yes. Does he make him better than if I were to use a second round pick on a safety? And I have Taylor Heineke as my quarterback. See, people automatically think that if I get Justin Fields, it means I didn't get prime Tom Brady. Well, we all want that guy. It becomes who's available. I might not be able to get the quarterback I want in the draft. I might decide Kirk Cousins' Achilles is a shot, and he's going back to Minnesota anyway. Jacoby Brissett could be my next best option. Jameis Winston could be out there. You start getting into these, you say, okay, who makes my team better? That's the goal here. Justin Fields could be available. Justin Fields makes this team better. If Justin Fields comes at a good price and he is your best option, I'm okay with that,
2: Nick. I It's going to be wild to follow to see what happens. There's a lot of different options out there and there's going to be some quarterback movement for sure. I do not think you can go in next season with Taylor Heineke slash Desmond Ritter. So you're going to have to make some move. What position are you in to make a move? What makes sense? I... I hoping it's not a Tannehill Ritter kind of room here. Uh, but I mean, that's just the most, you know, phone it in go with what you know, cannot press the issue, but who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens here with this Falcon squad. Yeah. I had considered Heineke a one-year deal. Um, I think he might be on this
1: team next year. Heineke, whether it, you know, and draft your future, just draft your future QB, Brian. Hopefully it's that easy. You know, hopefully you, I'm willing to, 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 put together a pretty good package of draft picks for, for Jaden Daniels to go get your quarterback. We'll see. We'll see what the cost is because it won't just be the Atlanta Falcons bidding. So we will, uh, we'll see on that one. We're going to get out of here. Y'all we can continue this conversation tomorrow. And we will, as we start team building. I mean, it's, it's almost January and we're still talking, you know, football and not draft. That's nice. Um, but Michael comes in to close us out. It's this great show today. Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Thank you so much, Michael, with all of your support. And I want to shout out all of y'all who came in with the financial donations right after Christmas end of the year. Again, it means the world to me and Nick, um, John coming in big Michael coming in three times with a super sticker, the early super chat, the final super chat, John with another super sticker, Edward Brown coming in, talking some wild card and Justin Fields, and all of those things. We're going to come up, we're going to hop on out of here. We're going to go over to youtube.com slash milehighhuddle where we're going to talk some quarterbacks again because there's going to be some options there. Speaking of teams that you might be in competition with for a quarterback, it might be the Denver Broncos. We're going to hop over there. Hell of a win. That was a lot of fun to watch on Sunday. That team playing the way it's capable of playing and seeing those some of those unsung guys, DeMarco Helms. LaCale London out there. And then watching some of the stars be stars was a lot of fun for the Falcons. We've had a lot of fun today. Thank you so much. Join us tomorrow because we're going to talk more Falcons football. We'll see y'all later. Peace.